G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. We're a church that's all about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. This week is part two of our Jesse Tree series and it's focused on peace. We hope you enjoy the sermon. Well, did you hear the good news? On Thursday, the 38th-ranked Socceroos beat the 10th-ranked Denmark to reach the knockout stages of the World Cup for the first time in 16 years. This got me thinking. We're all looking for our promised land. For the soccer teams in Qatar, it's getting to the next round of the World Cup and perhaps one day onto the final. For kids at school, it's getting out of school. For the people out of school, it's often getting a good job. For those in a job, it's getting to retirement, and so it goes. We all have a place we want to be, a person we want to become, and a position we want to occupy. Then we believe we'll have peace. Last week, we left our Jesse Tree story through the Bible with Abram looking for peace and looking up at the stars, being reminded of God's promise that he would have more descendants than there are stars in the sky. And the good news is that he did have descendants, tons of them. The Jesse tree line goes through Isaac, Abram and Sarai's firstborn son, then on to Jacob, his grandson. Today we're going to pick up from Jacob's son, Joseph. Joseph was a dreamer, but he also was up himself. This is because his father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than his ten other sons. So they hated him. Genesis 37.5 tells us the story. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. When Joseph shares his peace dream, his brothers don't take it too well and send him on to Egypt. And this is where Egypt enters the biblical storyline. At the time, Egypt was a superpower with better technology, a better economy, and a fiercer military than any other world power. Egypt was not a place of peace. Instead, it was a place of power and riches, and the people worshipped exotic gods of war, death, and chaos. Joseph's brothers hate him so much that they wait till daddy isn't around. Then they attack their brother and sell him into slavery in Egypt. They want peace away from their brother, but instead of peace, their father is beside himself with grief, and they have to live with the guilt of what they did. Things are even worse for little Joe. At first he serves in a rich man's house and does well, but the lady of the house takes a liking to him and tries to get him into bed with her. Joseph refuses, so she accuses him of coming on to her. Joseph is put in jail, where he's left to rot. One day, though, he helps the Pharaoh's cupbearer by interpreting his dream. The cupbearer is released from jail, but he forgets Joseph. Years later, Pharaoh has a dream and needs someone to explain it. The cupbearer remembers Joseph, and Joseph warns Pharaoh that the dream is about an oncoming drought and tells him to prepare. Pharaoh makes Joe prime minister of Egypt to steer the nation through the drought. Things go well for the new PM until his brothers come back into his life. 
This horror family reunion gives Joe two paths and two different kinds of peace. He can avenge himself to do his, do his, do his brothers what they did to him or make himself at peace with them and make peace with them. God gives Joseph the strength to forgive his brothers. And the story ends with Joseph being blessed by his father Jacob, who he brings along with his whole family to Egypt. The story leaves you wondering if the land of peace is Egypt after all. Perhaps God got it wrong. The very next book of the Bible shows us that Egypt is not the promised land, unequivocally. Exodus 1.8 says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. God's people are enslaved, and it becomes clear that they must get out of Egypt. Next year, we're going to do a preaching series on the book of Exodus, so I'm going, not going to go and do a deep dive into that story. But ultimately, God raises up a leader called Moses, who leads one million Hebrew th slaves through the Red Seas, right under the Egyptians' noses. It's the most wonderful rescue, as the people who had no peace in bondage march onto the promised land in peace. The high point of this story is that on their way, the people meet God. God knows these slaves have no idea how to live in peace, so he helps them out. God encounters his people on Mount Sinai and gives them the Ten Commandments. The first four commandments relate to God. Put God first, don't worship idols, honor God's name, and keep one day a week for rest. The next six commandments relate to how the people treat one another. Honor your parents. Don't murder. Be faithful in marriage. Don't steal. And don't spend your life wanting what other people have. This is God's path to peace. He says, I've taken you out of Egypt. I'm giving you the promised land. And now this is how you can live in peace. If all of us kept the Ten Commandments, we'd have true peace. The application here for us is clear. If we don't, we don't need a place of peace. We need a plan. We need to live by the commandments which still, draw, still matter today. Sadly, very few of us know the Ten Commandments. And one of the reasons why we feel no peace is because we don't honor God. We lie, we cheat, and we don't take a day of rest. Friends, take the opportunity to read Exodus 20 or Deuteronomy 5, the two places in the Bible where the Ten Commandments are listed. Take the opportunity this week and remind yourself of the Ten Commandments. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you live by them, and you'll have peace with God and with the world around you. Sadly, the people don't embrace God's commandments. And instead, they wander the desert in bondage to sin for 40 years until finally they have enough faith to let God lead them into the promised land. Blocking the way into the promised land is a fortified city called Jericho. Spies are sent to the city. They discover Jericho is terrified of the Hebrews and their God. The spies, though, for some reason get trapped at a prostitute's house. Her name is Rahab. Surprisingly, Rahab seems to have more faith in God than the spies do, 
and she helps the spies escape in peace and return for for peace in return for peace with God's people. Rahab is a bold, faithful and courageous woman, and by faith she's grafted onto the Jesse tree. She becomes an Israelite and ultimately an ancestor of Jesus. With the help of a foreigner, Jericho is taken and the people march into the promised land in peace. Sadly, the people don't obey God's command and wipe out though and don't they don't wipe out those living in the land he gives them. And they don't live by the Ten Commandments. They don't live in peace in the promised land and their sin turns it into a cursed land. The book of Joshua describes how the land was taken over by Israel. But the book of Judges describes how Israel was taken over by sin. And this is why the next limb on our Jesse tree is so surprising. We're taken to the land of Moab away from God's promised land and behind enemy lines. There we meet another foreign woman with great faith in God. Her name is Ruth. Ruth's husband dies in another famine, and so does her father-in-law. She could have stayed with her own people, but decides to escort her Jewish mother-in-law, Naomi, back to the promised land. Naomi tells her she won't find peace there, but Ruth responds with these incredible words in Ruth 1.16 and 17. She says, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely if even death separates you and me. What starts out as a survival story turns into a wonderful love story. While the promised land is descending into chaos, one faithful farmer, Boaz, falls in love with the faithful foreigner, Ruth. And through God's goodness, they get married and continue the family line of the Saviour. Ruth doesn't seem like a person of peace. But she had a plan to follow God, and with that, she found peace. The application for us here, friends, is that you should never judge a book by its background. Whoever you are and whatever your background, God wants you to, wants to use you in a mighty way to work out his rescue plan. God doesn't care where you come from or what you've done or what people think of you. He cares about you and wants you to know him. Peace isn't about being a particular type of person. It's about embracing who God made you to be. This should change how we treat people in church and during the week. Do we see people as God does or try to judge them ourselves? Ruth and Boaz have a son called Obed, who has a son named Jesse, after whom the Jesse tree is named. Again, this faithful family are a remnant of people who have a relationship with God. The people of Israel ask for a king, hoping that a king will give them peace. But in the process, they reject God as their king. The one chosen king, Saul, is a dud. And he rejects God, and God rejects him as king. Israel goes to war, and it seems the peace they long for is further away than ever. But then the story takes another twist. We're taken to another little town, the town of Bethlehem. 
a peaceful place in the hills, where the prophet Samuel goes to anoint the next king of Israel. Not surprisingly, Samuel goes to Jesse's house, and Jesse brings before him his eldest and brightest son. But surprisingly, God says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. All of Jesse's eldest sons are rejected until finally his youngest son, who wasn't even invited to the anointing party, is brought before Jesse, and God says, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. David is chosen because he is a man after God's own heart. He will become a king who turns the hearts of God's people back to God, a warrior who fights for God and becomes a conduit for peace. David will establish a peaceful and God-loving kingdom. And if you're reading the Bible, you almost wonder if David is God's saviour, come to bring his heavenly peace. God even promises that David's royal line will last forever. But David is not the ultimate prince of peace, and God has someone better in mind. And so for today, we're going to leave the Jesse Tree story here. But what's worth seeing is that peace isn't having about having a particular position. Joseph found peace with God in prison and with his family through great pain. Peace isn't about having a right, the right house or living in the right country. The people of God were given the promised land and position as God's chosen people and their sin turned it into a cursed land. David found peace with God not because of his position in life, but because of the position of his heart. Peace isn't about making it to the Soccer World Cup or getting that job or even a good retirement. Real peace is heavenly peace. It's the peace we have in our hearts through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. When our hearts are right with God, we'll have peace, even if the world is falling around us. And that's why this Advent, let's aspire to get our hearts right with God. Yes, there's Christmas to prepare for and end-of-year stuff to do, but none of that will give us heavenly peace. So friends, let's prioritize prayer and time with God in the weeks leading to Christmas. Let's give our, get our hearts right before God, and then, like the old carol says, we will sleep in heavenly peace. Amen.